Hi, I'm Jennifer Mulholland. And I'm Jeff Shuck. We're the co-leaders of Plenty. Thanks for joining our podcast, Plenty for Everyone. Each episode, we talk with conscious leaders like you to explore abundance in work and life, fulfillment in head and heart, and ways we can all work together to make this world a better place. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Plenty for Everyone, the podcast for conscious leaders. We are so glad that you're here with us. This, as always, is Jeff Shuck, and with me is Jen Mulholland, and we are the co-owners of Plenty, and we're so glad you're joining us today. We have a really delightful conversation, Jen, with one of our favorite people in the world today. Yes, I'm so excited for you to hear from one of my dear friends and one of our beloved clients, Matt Navarro, who is the Global Vice President of Sales for Stanley. Many of you probably drank from a Stanley thermos way back in the day. I know I did when my father and parents had us camping at a really young age in New England, and we always relied on our Stanley thermos for hot cocoa and hot cider. So he is an amazing human. He happened to be my son Riley's football coach is how we met when they moved to Park City about, you know, I think maybe three or four years ago now. And we've become really good friends. We had the privilege of doing some executive coaching with him as well. And just an incredibly inspiring conscious leader, would say. He cares. He's committed to helping people really reach their potential. And really excited for you to hear what comes out of his mouth and out of his heart as he orients his new leadership style at a new opportunity that he is now leading the way at Stanley for a new team and how he's navigating that through virtual means. So there's a lot of juicy nuggets about how to consciously lead yourself, lead your family, and lead your team in business and in life that I'm excited for y'all to hear. Yeah. And maybe one thing that I'd say for those of you, just to, to have in the back of your mind as you start to listen to Matt tell his story, Matt came to plenty, I think the way most of our clients do, kind of having already been successful and achieved some success, but also having this feeling that there was something now next for him. And we joined him after two decades of experience in sporting goods and really rising to the top of a massive multinational organization. And you wouldn't be able to, at that point, say, okay, he's going to end up at Stanley. And that's, I think, often the case with our work, Jen. It makes sense. You always say it makes sense when you look backwards. But right when we're in the moment, we can't always see the choreography. So a lot of our work with Matt was kind of helping him see what he already knew to be true. And so just have that in your mind as he tells his story. And maybe afterwards, Jen will come back and talk a little bit without him about what we took away from the conversation and and just our work with him. Yes. I'm so excited for you to hear this. He's just an incredible human being. And I think, especially as you're listening, if you're in a transition yourself, as Jeff was mentioning, or if you're looking to find ways to connect and lead through virtual 
the new virtual reality we're all living through. We unpack some of those ways that have worked and some that haven't as we're embarking on this digital interaction phase we have in, in life right now. Fantastic. Enjoy the show and we'll talk to you on the other side. Welcome, Matt. We are so grateful to have a conversation with you today. It always lights up my day when I get to see you in person or over Zoom. But thanks so much for being here with us. Matt, and I should I should let people know before I even let you talk that I think this is this is honestly like our fifth or sixth attempt to do <laughs> this. We originally were gonna have you on like last summer and you can't hide from us any longer. We've nailed you down. Thanks for being here. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Half of those were my fault, so I'm glad we finally got to connect. And I only wish that we were the three of us sitting in heart space and actually having a, a real cup of coffee or a cocktail versus virtually, but excited to spend some time with you for sure. Yeah, this is uh, second best, I guess. Well, would you mind just sharing with the, our listeners where you are calling in from and and what you're up to right now? You, you've been in a lot of transition, as a lot of other people listening have been, and you're in a new role as Global Vice President of Sales at Stanley and also leading your family and leading teams as coach, and you're up to a lot of things. So maybe without stealing your thunder, if you wouldn't mind orienting Where are you calling in from and what are you up to today? Yeah, sure. So I live here in Park City, Utah with Jen and I've gotten to know her and her family over the years as uh, actually Riley's football coach, I think is how we initially met. So that's where I'm calling in from. And in typical Park City fashion, we had 65 and sunny yesterday and we woke up to uh, snow this morning. So winter's officially, officially back, but it's part of the reason we all love to live here in the mountains is, you know, every day is a, a different climate, that's for sure. But yeah, for me, I think like everybody, the last 12 to 18 months has been wild and crazy in the midst of a global pandemic, trying to run a business, trying to, as you say, maybe not run a family, but be part of a family and figure out what family looks like in just today's world and environment. And then in addition to that, I had been with Amher Sports for almost 20 years, which is a global sporting goods company. Um, they own Wilson Sporting Goods, Arcteryx, Solomon, Atomic, a bunch of brands in the outdoor space. Been with them for almost 20 years, super successful career, met some of the best friends of my life, frankly, had learned and really been challenged and had had a great run. But it was just time for a change professionally for me. I didn't know that I was going to have to do it in a global pandemic, you know, and and actually take a role with PMI, who's a private equity firm out of Seattle and owns multiple brands in the beverageware space. And my role currently, as Jen mentioned, is, is global vice president of sales for Stanley. Stanley's a hundred-year-old drinkware company. Many of your grandfathers probably had a hammertone green thermos when they were hunting or fishing or camping. And, you know, our job as a leadership team is really to revitalize and, and kind of invigorate a a hundred-year-old brand that maybe has has lost the connection with with the consumer. So that's a bit what, what I'm up to. We've also been fortunate here in Park City to continue in school and sports and stuff. And I am a, a coach. I coach basketball and, and coach football. So I love the connection. Actually, one of the things I love about my job is I love to coach. It's it's who I am. And so if you describe like what are you most proud of? It's husband, dad, friend, and coach. 
And what I love about my role is that I very much am a coach in my professional life also. And I think that's my biggest responsibility to the organization and to the company and to the team. So to be able to bring those two things together is I'm super fortunate. Jeff, as you and I talked about earlier, really just fortunate to be in a in a role where I can do what I love. The other piece I would say is just like, yeah, I took this this role back in September, I guess, of 2020 and left a company I'd been with for 20 years and moved on to, to a new role without meeting anyone in person. So the entire interview process was virtual over Zoom, which I think we're going to look back in 20 years and be like, holy cow, that sounds crazy. We definitely, if you went 10 years ago and said that that's how you would transition into a new role, would think it's wild. And the two or three things that I think I'm really thinking and working through of what this virtual life looks like is being present and intentional and how to do that while we're all staring at these screens and we have multiple monitors and we have kids in the background and things happening. Also, how to connect with people and develop relationships, build trust. I think if I had to put one thing on what great teams do, they trust each other. And what I've learned is that's really hard to build virtually without really having that human human interaction. And then last is like, my goal for my team is to put them in an, in, a, in an environment, to create an environment for my team where they're motivated and they can operate and they can be their best. And I've found that also really challenging just to have deep conversations about what that looks like for people through a computer screen. So again, in a couple of minutes, that's a lot of me talking just a little bit about what's happening here and maybe professionally a few of the things that I'm, that I'm thinking about and our team is thinking about. Well, there's so many story threads there, and I maybe we can take some of the transition and just parse it out and learn a little bit about kind of what went into your decision making, especially like when when we when we can't rely on the things we usually rely on, you know, what's left. And I just want to give people a tiny bit of perspective that I think Matt, I met you, Jen's known you forever. I met you when you were at Amr and thinking about your next act and thinking about kind of how, how will I decide? And I would just say bluntly, I think you're the easiest client we've ever had because here's what would happen, folks. Matt would come in, we'd do a session, he'd, he'd come to HeartSpace, we'd sit down and he would kind of say, I don't, I don't know that I know what I want. And, you know, we'd, we'd ask him like one question and he would have this very informed answer about exactly, you know, well, describe for us what an ideal situation. And you had it so down. You always knew what you wanted. I think we just helped you see that a little bit. And one of the things I'd love to ask about on that and, and based on the story you just told is, so when you were interviewing, like you had known for a while, okay, it's Amr's been great for me, but it's time to look for something else for my family, for my career. What do you rely on when you're interviewing purely online, when you're going, you're leaping industries, you know, you're changing the level of decision-making you have? How did you, how did you make that choice? What did you end up finding that you were relying on to make that decision? Yeah, looking back, I've actually given this advice to, to some people recently, because looking back, it, it's, it was pretty simple. But when I was in it, it did not feel so simple. And Jeff, you would continually say that like, oh, you just told me what you wanted. But I think a couple of things. So I think number one, yeah, I was feeling drawn professionally, really and personally to just 
see what was out there and maybe see what was next, see what the next chapter looked like. I think that's a, a good way to describe it, Jeff. And, you know, and where you guys have been incredible, you know, coaches and provided such great guidance and what I got out of Plenty and, and Lantern in particular was just like time in many ways to like sit and think about what the next chapter should look like in my words. Like if I were to write it instead of letting someone else write it for you. And I think that was a really big aha moment of like, I write the next chapter, not the person you work for, or even the next recruiter that calls or, you know, that you own it, I guess, is, is, was one of my, the big aha moments. And then second, the process of just literally writing down what would need to be true or what do you want to be true to make this next move was really helpful. And of course, in this new role, I didn't get 10 out of 10 if there were 10 things on that list. But as you start to check off six or seven of the, the important boxes, it, it started to feel like the right move and the right step for me. The third and maybe most important thing was, I, I used this quote earlier already, but I really try to live by it. It's over here in my office to create an environment for your team where they're motivated and able to be at their best. And the, the underlying word is their best. Like you just be you and be the best you can, you can be. And I found myself in a boardroom 18 months ago and I wasn't in that space. So I'm like, I'm keep putting this slide up on the wall and talking to everybody about it. And I'm like, man, I'm not in that place. I'm not at my best. I'd had a really good run, but there just been change and things happening both strategically and from a value standpoint that I didn't love and agree with. And I was trying to navigate and I just realized, you know what? I'm not in a great place professionally. I'm not being at my best as a dad or a husband because of that stress that that's bringing. And so that was really the like button that was like, I got to get myself in a better place. And I think those are kind of the three, I don't know, three phases to that, maybe if that makes sense. Yeah, it's so helpful and so relatable. I think one of, one of the questions that comes to mind that I see a lot of people struggle with that maybe you can speak to is when did you know that you were worth it? Like, when did you know that that vision, that you weren't living the quote that you were sharing with everybody else, that you were worth architecting and getting clear on what you wanted, and that was worth making a change? Because what I see a lot is is people know they need to change. They know they're not happy. They're suffering. I just overheard a conversation. My husband was on the phone with an architect and she was on speaker. And she was just so frustrated. And she just was like, I don't have joy at all in my work anymore. And she was so beyond frustrated. The tone is this idea that you have to stay doing what you're doing because there's no other options. And I'm curious about that like deeper integrity that you speak to, that you had a realization that you weren't actually practicing what you preach as a coach and as a leader in that quote. What was it that gave you the ability to believe in yourself that you were worth finding a different path or a different opportunity to manifest what it is you wanted? Yeah, I think, you know, a little bit of that is confidence. So I think you know, I've been given coaching. I think most people are this way. Like you're at your best when you're confident, where you're feeling good about what you're doing and believe in what you're you're doing, whether that's personally or professionally. And I think in a weird way, it just took consulting or, or being advised by some people who were three steps removed from your work or your life 
and just like they were able to like really outwardly look towards me and be like what are you talking about? You're crazy. You can go do anything. And whatever's next is also not it. There might be two or three or four other things that you end up doing in your life. In a weird way, that was that was the, the switch for me was like, this isn't the next, the next move is not the end. It's not like you're choosing the last chapter. You're just choosing the next chapter. And so like, for me, that provided this, this confidence or comfort that, you know what, it's time, identify what you're looking for, what you have to offer is, you know, will be valued. And there are other people that value the same things as you. So if you find yourself in an environment where like the values of, especially the people in culture side, aren't quite what you believe, finding a place, and I, and I was lucky to find it, but, but finding other people just in general who believe in those same things was comforting to me. And that, that mindset so helpful, just to comment, I think, I think we get really stuck in our own boxes that we think that this has to be the next right thing and it has to last for a long time. You know, I see a lot of people putting value in 20-year stints at an organization. And if you change more often, then that's not a good sign, right? Well, we're living in a world where not only is information increasing exponentially at crazy speeds coming in, but change is happening. So it must mean that we're changing too. And I, that mindset of taking the pressure off, like where are we putting self-induced pressure on that this has to be the next thing that's going to last forever versus it's the right next step. And likely I'm going to evolve and change and grow. And there might be another right next step down the road. I think that's a very powerful mindset of believing in yourself and believing that as things change, you're going to be able to adapt and keep evolving rather than having this pressure on it has to be the perfect decision or the perfect job that's going to last forever. Yeah. And then the, the, and I would just underline or highlight that, that there's, there's not, I, I say this, like people are like, how's it going? I'm like, well, it's great. It's not perfect. Like my new role versus old role or even new company versus old company, because perfect isn't out there. You know, there's, there's very few, or if any, where you're going to check every box that the grass is greener and you move into a better place. I think you just want to show progress, right? Progress towards the, and check those boxes that are most important to you. And for me, that was people, like an organization that really valued the, the people in the organization and didn't just say it or put it on a PowerPoint slide, but actually acted it and put the people first in the organization. And also just like things around values, right? What, what does the company believe? Is there good charitable causes? Are they are we doing things that are right for the environment to make the make a world a better place? Are they also really living and breathing in the organization versus just words on a on a PowerPoint slide? And you know, again, back to like identifying what those things are for you to me was the, was the moment that, that I thought was provided some clarity. Maybe. I love what you're modeling. And I want to just drive on this a little bit more and, and make this point for people who are listening. There's a, there's two things that are in, implicit in what you're saying that, that I are so wonderful. And the first is, is the idea of the list and being intentional about what you want. Right. And that was one of the, my first interactions with you is again, sitting down in heart space and, and us just saying, well, literally, well, let's just make a list. Like let's write out all the things that ideally would be part of, of your career. And, and I would just, as an aside to that say, it's ironic how some of those 
panned out because I, if I recall, one was, I'd like to not travel as much. And like, ta-da, you created that for us. But, you know, the list can also get people into trouble a little bit because then it becomes this minimum set of requirements for change for people when I think they get off track. And so you're also modeling another trait, which is so valuable, which is then being flexible and being willing to make incremental steps and being willing to not make good the enemy of great or perfect the enemy of good. And so it's this dual practice of, I want to be really intentional about what success looks like for me. And then like to your coaching, right? But then we practice every day. We walk every day and we don't start great. We start okay and we get better. And I I think you have just always modeled that. And I should acknowledge it's very dangerous for me to make football analogies ever. But particularly when I'm on the phone with you, I should not be making sports analogies. And here I keep doing it. But I wonder if you can talk a little bit about that practice. And because you're a coach leader, how do you coach that in, in your teams, which can be quite large? You have really large groups of, of team members. That, that idea of like, let's be clear about our vision, but let's also be tolerant of making incremental change. What's that coaching look like? Yeah, I'm really living this at the moment as far as like the coaching analogies. You're better than you think, Jeff, on the coaching analogies or football analogies. But I think there's a few things. So like as I move like a little bit more into my role from the decision making process, a lot of what we're doing is transformation. So yes, leading through uncertainty, which is a bit how we how we teed this up is is on top of my mind and things we're all dealing with, but also transformational leadership right now is I think more difficult than ever. Because to your point, what we have to do is be able to connect with people, to be able to build trust and show empathy and really understand where your team wants to go, what their goals are, while keeping the accountability to the organization, delivering results, transforming strategy, making sure people are in the right seat on the bus. Like all those things are happening and the coach's job, as, as you say, back to the football analogy, is to make all those pieces happen and to be able to make progress and to be make progress both individually and then also as a team. And so I think, I think it's hard, I guess, to answer your question. But I think what I'm trying to do is have more individual conversations in time where we like put a timeout on the business side and ask people really how they're doing, what I can do to help and support them. What are they struggling with? in the current work environment? What are they struggling with in their personal lives? And again, I think that just creates trust and and builds really connected teams and relationships. And I think that's what the best teams are built on. So I don't know. I don't know if that exactly answered your question, but I think it's a combination of transformational leadership as a leader of an organization really comes down to developing those one-on-one connections and and understanding where people want to go. Yeah, I think it's a wonderful answer and so relatable. You know, as you know, I've been an athlete my whole life and coached on the field for over 20 years. And it's so applicable to business in the sense that there are individual positions, but how you harmonize the field with getting the right people in the right positions working together creates a winning team. And it sounds so cliche, but I love the the awareness that you have of this human approach. And it has been lacking, I would say. And hopefully COVID is reinvigorating us to get back to basics, 
the language you just used of empathy, like really genuinely caring about another human, whether you lead them or not. But that in itself, the questions we're asking and how we're listening to the answer really helps us find a way to support each other in a much deeper, more meaningful way that I think a lot of us are starving for. And whether it's kids on the field, you have demonstrated that with Riley, my son, as being one of the few coaches and few leaders that have really consistently, genuinely asked, cared for how he's doing in his recovery, and then offered opportunity for him to find a place that he could participate in. And I think in the teams that we lead and in business, most people want to matter. They want to find place. And how we architect what does their best selves look for? Sometimes people don't even know what that is for themselves. But as the coach, you can kind of see that light and we just encourage everybody's listening when you have the opportunity to have these one-on-one conversations to really ask how somebody's doing or maybe what they're going through or what they really care about where where do they naturally lean in then we can find the ingredients to help them reach their potential. I'm curious how you're doing that as a team. Like these one-on-one conversations over Zoom seem to be more possible if you make time for it. And it sounds like you are. How do you orchestrate having the team get to know each other in a deeper way rather than like it all being about sales, sales, sales and metrics and performance and hitting our goals, et cetera, which we need to do too. How do you find that balance of getting peer-to-peer conversations that matter happening amongst your new team? Yeah, I think I think it's hard. So I think the one-on-ones I have just found you have to be very diligent and purposeful about it. So what we're all missing in this environment is the random touch bases or the the time you can just go, I need to go talk to Jen and you go over and you pop in their office and it turns into a conversation about maybe not even the topic that you really went there for, but about what's happening in in your teammates' life, right? Like all those personal connections, interactions are just not happening naturally. So what it forces us to do is try to create them purposefully. And and that's hard too. Our calendars all look like, you know, are all crazy, but it's just about making it a priority, the the one-on-ones. The team part, I've actually found really hard. We've certainly tried and continue to do some town halls and open forums where people can ask questions about the company and each other. We've done things like happy hours and coffee talks, but I have found them just to be open, to be a bit, to not as genuine as those in-person connections or, or times that we have together. So I don't know. I don't have a great answer to that. And I think I think we're all still trying to figure it out, literally a year later, trying to figure out how to, how to really bring teams together virtually. It's been difficult. I actually really love that answer and appreciate it that you didn't say, oh, we've got it all figured out. And And I love the acknowledgement of the value at times of unscripted time and open time and happy accidents and running into someone in the hallway. And I think that's one thing I certainly feel with, with my day is when I say I'm tired of Zoom, I think sometimes I mean I'm tired of everything being so scripted. I'm tired of the choreography. And 
we have a meeting after after this call with a great client we're onboarding and Jen and I were talking about the agenda and I heard myself say, I'm just kind of interested in the backstory. Like, can we just wind him up and get him talking? And I think, I think I love that acknowledgement, Matt, that there's just not everything can be put into outlook. And some of the best things that happen in business and life are when you bump into someone at the water, at the water cooler. And I hope those times are back. And Jen, I'm I see you unmuting, so I'll throw this to you. I think that's one of the things I love most about our retreats in the time and heart space is what happens in the in the open times, in the you know, in the break. The break is part of the curriculum. Our clients never want to hear that, but we know that what what happens at the break is just as valuable as what happens in class. Well, I think it's easy to fill space and not think that having space you know, creates connection. I think it's the opposite. I think having space, openness creates more connection. And it's based on like, we are communal species, like human beings need community to boost our immune system, to perform, to heal. Like we actually biologically need each other to thrive. And so when you take away physical touch, hugging, handshaking, you know, the exchange of energy that happens when you're in the presence of another human being, or that when you're outside, like what happens to your headspace when you go out in nature, like all those things actually are here to help us biologically evolve. And I think we're really on a path to get back to that safely. Like, what does that look like? And how do we create that in ways, whether it's running a virtual global company like you are, Matt, and your team, of just finding ways that we can safely gather in small groups or one-on-one connection. Because we do see that being such a key to transformation at Lantern. Like it is about the human interaction and the human sharing and the realness of what people are going through. And I will just say my, I need that. I notice that when I am more isolated or I have Zoom fatigue, I'm not at my best. I'm like playing subpar. So what, how do we, you know, if we're really as conscious leaders here to help people express their best selves, their best selves, as you said, Matt, and reach their potential, then we have to take into account how we're connecting human to human in physical ways. And I think that's going to be an interesting, like, I don't believe the, the personally that the immunizations and the, the shots are the, are the only way to do that. Like, we have to get creative of how we can create safe environments for people to get back to that communal human need that we all have and share. Yeah. And I think, you know, we've talked about this in the past, the three of us, I, I think also, like I, I call it sometimes the the softer side, right? Is is super important to me. It's like the foundation of who we are, and what I mean by that is that personal connection and building relationships, and not relationships like in that's how you sell is through relationships. I mean, with your team to create that that trust in each other. And I think what what's proving really challenging right now is that we're not able to be in a room together and really just share points of views and opinions. People are more guarded behind 
a, a Zoom or a Teams screen. And so like when I talk about diversity and inclusion with my team, yes, it's diverse backgrounds, um, ethnicity, gender, all of those things are incredibly important. But what's most important to me is a diverse background and point of view, diverse opinions, and being able to get your team open to share exactly unfiltered what they're thinking and what they believe. And that always leads us to a better decision, right? As a leader, the more of that you can pull out of people. And one of my biggest challenges today is I don't feel like I'm getting that, partly because I am in a new role trying to develop relationships with people behind the screen. But also there's just, it's just not as comfortable in an environment to share your point of view. And so what it, what, I, what I feel happening a little bit is just, constraint on what people are are actually sharing and to me as a leader it's actually a little bit scary it's like one of the things that keeps me up at night is like how do i get more openness in this current environment yeah yeah you've i think opened the door into something that i'd love for you to share a little bit which is about it is on the same topic of what is the role leader's role in getting information and sharing information But to frame up this question, to go back 18 months or so, there was a period of time we were working with you. And I'll just be generic and say there was a lot of change happening where you were. And one of the things you were really thinking through was your care of your team and what should your team know? And I think at one point you even, you used a phrase that I know Jen and I were really taken by, which was like, I've got to protect my team from this. I've got to shield my team from this. And at the time, we really encouraged you to look at that. (laughs) And is that serving the team? You're putting a lot of pressure on yourself. Like, we want the information from them, but I feel like I need to control what's going to them. And I just wonder if you can talk about that and how, how that has changed in this world that we're not just the new world of Stanley, but the world that we're living in where kind of everybody has access to the same limited amount of information. And when do we protect our team? And when do we, when is the best way to coach them to give them the feedback that they need, right? When you're in the football field and someone makes a mistake, you don't think to yourself, I'm not sure if I should say that. But you're very smart about and judicious about when you give the feedback and how the feedback is constructed. And I wonder if you can just speak about that and how your perspective there has evolved or how COVID has changed it at all. I'm not sure that it's a COVID change. I think it's maybe just learnings on my part. Yeah, I I used to house most of the, or or try to, most of maybe the pressure or stress or even information or information on change that was happening and try to, what I would say, protect my team. I think that's the word you use, Jeff. And what I've learned maybe in the last two or three years is that generally people see through that. So your team, one, sees you and your stress level, and that actually creates a lot of stress for them when they see their leader, you know, not in a great headspace. And that, two, people want the truth. People can handle the truth. That openness and transparency really empowers people in a way to be part of the process and to help you through whatever that that change is happening or, or the pressures that are happening. And again, being part of that process really helps you as a leader, obviously, because you're getting more points of view, but it also helps them. Like they're in it. They want to help you. It's almost, I forget the movie was Jack Jack Nicholson. Like you can't handle the truth. They can handle the truth. And so I've tried now, obviously there's, there are times, of course, as a senior leader, where you can only share bits and pieces of things that are happening to protect confidentiality. But when possible, I try to share the whole truth and 
be transparent with what's happening and really try to engage my team in that process versus protecting them is not really protecting. And it, and it generally, in my opinion, causes more stress and anxiety than it does help them. I love that. The art too is being most truthful to ourselves, right? And starting with that, because I think for some reason, I love that point that not only can people handle the truth, but it's scary to be vulnerable with your own truth as a leader. It's not comfortable all the time. Sometimes it's it's the right and easy thing to do and it takes no discretion. Other times it takes a lot of discretion to, to understand how to share that. And then there's this another piece where I'm not sure I'm really being true to my own self of what's really going on here or am I really willing to share what I see? And that's the place I think we're asking people to go to because to your point, people sniff it out, right? It's felt. The act of omission is, a, is as dangerous as the act of commission. And, you know, I think sometimes we undervalue the people that we're in relationship with or that we lead, that the real deep connection that creates trust is that vulnerability, is to really own that discomfort as leaders within ourselves and find a way in our own way to share that. And the people where it will land or resonate with are the people that are meant to be there. And if it's, you know, creates a disaster, then then it's gonna surface stuff that that needs to be looked at anyway. But it's scary and it feels really vulnerable during these times, especially over Zoom. I think we're using it often as a protection man- mechanism. Yeah, that's that's the right word, vulnerable for sure. And I and I think quickly. You know, the criticism of of that process of, of like really engaging your team in uncomfortable conversation and change and things that that may be happening is that they might not agree with your decision. What if you get different points of view and they say go right and you have to go left? You know, that's ultimately the job. Our, our, our job as leaders is to, to get points of view and then make the decision. And I have found that like even if you make a decision that's different than what somebody maybe recommended if you've taken them through the process and give them a chance to share their point of view, they can get on board easier. It helps get them there faster, frankly. And while they might not agree with the decision, they'll respect it and they'll, they'll move with you. And I think that's what the most powerful organizations can do. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, we could talk to you for days. I know that to be true. I'm so grateful to have this conversation and truly grateful, Matt, to have you in our lives and my life. Um, I think you're just an extraordinary leader and human and really grateful for how you've showed up in our family and in our community and excited that you've landed this new opportunity of growth and, you know, really interested to see where you're going to take it. I know it's going to be extraordinarily successful. Is there anything else you would like to share or say before we wrap up? No, just thanks, guys. You guys have been impactful in my life, both professionally and personally. Yeah, I look forward to a time soon when we can share a cup of coffee or a drink in person. Sounds great. Thanks so much, Matt. You're the best. All right, thanks, everybody. See you soon. We'll talk to you soon. Well, we hope you enjoyed that juicy conversation with Matt Navarro, our dear friend and global vice president of sales at Stanley. As we reflect on the conversation, 
he points to and demonstrates an insight that he knew he he knew what he wanted in making a change. He knew he needed and could feel like there was something more on offer. He, he had kind of outgrown his work at Amor Sports and all the wonderful ways he got to experience leading in the outdoor industry of retail. But he didn't really know he knew. And that was what was so fun, Jeff, when we were coaching with him, is we were constantly reflecting back how clear he was and how clear he sounded and articulate about the things that he wanted to manifest for his next chapter and the things that he knew he didn't want. And oftentimes it takes somebody to reflect that back to you. And it's really fun to see where he is now of that clarity coming to form. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing is we all get in the habit of, because of the pace of life, of thinking when we're confused or we feel lost, we actually churn ourselves faster. And, and but, but think about it. If you're actually like lost in the woods, the first thing you would do is stop moving. Right? Stop running if you don't know where you're going. And so part of it, I think, with Matt was was reflecting his own words back to him, but also just Jen giving him a little bit of time to stop. And and he knew he needed that, I think, when he came to us. He said, I just need a day away. You know, I need to unplug. And, you know, when we can stop moving, we get to look around and we find all the mile markers around us. And all of a sudden, it doesn't feel like we're kind of lost in the woods anymore. So... Yeah. And maybe just one quick comment on that. I think that's such a brilliant point. I think oftentimes we get, we, we second guess our knowing. And when we don't know, either we're running too fast, so we don't slow down, but sometimes it just requires us to keep walking. You know, Matt had a lot of conversations and did the work to get clear about what it is he really wanted that was able to bring new opportunities for him to say, is this on or off for me? And he kept walking through that. And I think oftentimes either sometimes we get paralyzed with fear of the unknown and we don't move at all, or we run too fast and we don't even remember that we really know what we want and we kind of are tolerating the things that we don't. I'm going to riff on that to get us to another point we want to talk about, but I'm going to introduce a new point, which is I, th- I feel like one of the things that Plenty does well and what a great coach and consultant will do well. And for those of you out there, it's a, just a, let me make sure I say this in the right way. But when we seek answers from others, I think the conscious leadership way to go about that is to find perspectives that illuminate what we already know or that illuminate a new insight within us. In other words, your coach or your consultant or the YouTube video or the graduate degree you want or the advice from a mentor, they actually can't tell you, right? What they can do is create a space or spark a feeling or create an idea in your head that unlocks something that you already know inside of you. But when we seek the answer from others, we're really on the wrong path. We're on a path to end up being disappointed. And many of us lose 10 or 20 or 30 years in our career by following the advice of other people. The advice that we want to follow is the advice that we already know inside. 
And I feel like that was our role with Matt and the role with all of our clients, Jen, is to say, here's what, you know, you're great at it. This is the phrase, what I hear you saying is, and our role is to reflect back because we don't know what's best for you, but we really believe that you know what's best for you if you give yourself a chance. Yeah, I mean, fundamentally at our core, we all want to be heard. We want to matter. We want to be seen, many of us. And that art of deep listening, we call it, like deeply listening, not only to the content and what is said in words, but where is the other person coming from? And it just doesn't apply in a consulting or an executive coaching relationship like we're sharing here. It applies to relationship. And I think the art, the majesty is in the reflection. Did I hear you right? So that our wisdom, our knowing can then kind of get more confidence of like, oh, yeah, actually, that's what I mean or that's what I I want. Or it, no, you didn't really get that right. There's a nuance here that you missed. And I think that practicing that more in our communications with our teams as conscious leaders, as we're leading others, to make sure that we can really reflect back what we hear they need, what we hear they think their role is, what we hear they you know, they they describe what they want in life or what success looks like for them is all information of how we can better support, guide, and coach the people that we do lead. Yeah, well said. No, no one can give you what you're looking for, but people can help you look in the right direction for it, point you in the right direction. And that leads us to another point. I mean, this was so... He didn't say it in this way, but this really spoke to me. And we talked a little bit about it with him. The idea of being really intentional about what you want. So so we literally made Matt make a list of okay, what would what are the characteristics of an ideal position for you? So there's a there's a point about being very precise and intentional and vivid. And you know, at Lantern, our leadership retreat and at Meridian, our strategy retreat, we literally ask people to make pictures of the future they imagine for themselves. And it's a powerful exercise of getting that literal. But then the other part of it is completely surrendering how you get there. And if we had talked to Matt, if we had brought him on this this show two years ago, he wouldn't have said, I've always wanted to work with Stanley. Like it wasn't an obvious move to make after Amr, but it fit the requirements. So there's, there's like a duality here, Jen, about being really intentional. I'll say it again about what we want. But then letting the universe do its work, letting us be surprised, trusting that we don't have to over-engineer the flow of the river, to use a a metaphor we love using all the time. And that really spoke to me. I'm curious what you what you would say to that that piece about this balance of like, you know, the need for us to be co-creators, but then the need for us to get out of the way sometimes and let the world do its work. Well, I think you just used a word that, you know, certainly has such power and meaning to me and to us is co-creating that when you're in the creative mode of a new future, of a new project, of, you know, anything that comes into form, there is a need to go with the flow, right? Because 
if we're so anchored on what we see must happen, or in this case, a career change needs to look like one way, and it has to check all those boxes or it has to be a particular in a particular form, we miss the opportunity to co-create with what comes. And there is a subtlety and an art of being open and clear at the same time. So it's literally getting clear about what is that highest possibility? What does success look like? What does fulfillment look like? What does living an abundant life look like to you? And then surrendering how it comes to form because then we we unlock potential, we unlock possibility. And it saddens me often that when I see myself do this, I see my friends do this and colleagues where we are so clear and it has to be one way or the highway that we limit ourselves from all the other signals that are coming in. Our vision has gotten so focused and limited that we don't see those synchronicities or we don't see the nudges that come outside of the box we have, you know, self-inflicted ourselves to live in. So I really love that point, Jeff, of being intentional about what you want, but open and surrendered, like an open hand. Like things can't come to you if you've got your hand closed. We've got to open it to be able to receive. And that's bigger than all of us. So I, he's a wonderful manifestation and it brings me so much joy to see that he has this new opportunity that came from surrender as much as it did clarity. Yeah. And, you know, we, we talk about surrender and I think it, there's a connotation where it sounds like giving up and that's not what we mean. And we did a whole podcast called the rafting cast last summer about the analogy of being on the river. And all we're trying to say is you don't get to pick the current, but you do have a paddle. So how are you going to use it? And how are you going to steer? Surrender doesn't mean giving up. It means trust. It means practicing trust that, that if you fall, the world's going to catch you. And boy, is that sometimes hard to practice, but there's such a grand design out there. And I, and I love that, that part of Matt's story. And, and again, I'm not sure he would say it in these words, but I hope that you heard those themes come out. What else did you hear in, in there? Well, on that point, and then I think that maybe just conclude with the, our final kind of key takeaway is he was able to make a change because he believed in himself. He had the confidence to go out and embark on a new path. And oftentimes we know we need a change, but we lack the confidence to make it. And would just encourage anybody who's listening to, if that speaks to you and you know that you're not in the right place where you need to be now, or you know you've outgrown the clothes or relationship or job that you've been in or career that you've been in, you know. And so trusting yourself to make the change that's needed is often the kernel that can then start a whole different path, a whole sea change of opportunities and dominoes falling into place. And, you know, Matt's a leader in that. And he would not have been able to make that change unless he believed in himself. And as you heard in the interview, he needed other peers and colleagues to remind him of that. And we all do. We all need 
that kind of reminder sometimes that we're worth it and we have the skills and tools and know how to make that change. The, the last point, and maybe I'll just tee this up, I think the one thing that strikes me about Matt and gets me so excited is, you know, he is a conscious leader and conscious leaders lead people. People require a human re- approach and that human re- approach that Matt brings to bear is compassion, it's care, and it's about the people of knowing them. Who are they? What does doing their best look like? That trait of really caring about who you're leading and getting to know them beyond the professional clothes can make such a huge difference in how your team performs and how your people feel being led by you. You know, Matt was one of the few people and coaches that really compassionately has been there for Riley and for us ever since he had his injury. The feeling of that connection and care is so genuine that it makes me want to show up. It makes me want to give back and do things more that stretches me or that has them on my mind. And that's what conscious leadership does when we take a human approach to people is that it it activates a mutual environment of care, of connection, and of trust. And the teams that trust each other perform better. They're more efficient. They have less drama. They're able to, you know, accomplish what they're setting out to more effortlessly. There's all these books on innovation in the speed of trust and performance based on trust. And we get to model that as conscious leaders. And I think Matt's done a wonderful job and I'm excited to see where, where it takes him. Yeah. And there's more here, I think for another podcast, but one point that we specifically asked him about that sticks with me that that we worked with him on and coached him on is the idea that we don't need to shield the people on our teams. In fact, that actually ends up working against us. And we talked about that briefly with him and you heard his comments on it. That was a longer story when we were working together because I think like many leaders coming from a good place, we sometimes want, think we need to protect people, but that ends up creating a, a relationship that's unsustainable where people resent us. And we don't actually create the resilience in the people around us that we need to. That doesn't mean that we dump all of our problems on them, but it means that we treat people the way that we want to be treated with full, unbiased kind information. And um, there's more to say there for another podcast that I know we'll unpack because we have great guests coming up. And I'm going to take that opportunity to say thank you for listening. Um, We do have some great guests lined up for the next couple months. And we appreciate you being here today. Jen, what can people do if they want to support us in our work? Well, if you're looking for an executive coach or looking to really up-level your conscious leadership, we would love for you to come to Lantern, our leadership retreat, or Jeff and I do executive coaching throughout the year as well. So you can find more information about us at plentyconsulting.com. And very grateful for you to listen in. Please rate it. Please share it. 
your support and evangelism helps us too. So you be well and we'll talk to y'all soon. Thank you. Roll the music. Thanks for being here, everyone. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Join the conversation and learn more at www.plentyconsulting.com.